Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of On the Blood Trail. Uh, it's been a little bit since the last podcast, but hoping to dive right into it here. Uh, spent a little bit of time this spring doing some bear hunting. Uh, I think we've, I've only gotten out twice so far. Uh, our first trip we were successful in getting a friend of ours his first bear. Uh, it was an awesome experience. Uh, all of us had a lot of fun. Uh, four days of hunting out in the middle of nowhere and some success. It can't really ask for more than that. I've also got about uh, a week or so until draws close up here in Alberta. Uh, hoping to put in and get drawn for a couple of items this year, uh, namely antelope. But uh, depending on how uh, depending on how many people apply for stuff this year, it could uh, make a huge impact on whether or not you get drawn. I know some uh, some years in the past, if you put in for say. Uh, non-trophy antelope if you're an eight priority you didn't get drawn but then the next year there's a lot less applicants and you could have got drawn at a seven so hoping this year that we get to pull some tags you could follow along on uh, our social media facebook instagram twitter um, but you can follow along there at on the blood trail uh, today's topic that we're going to get into is it seems to be a very popular item right around now because of everything that's going on in the world uh, but we're going to talk about gun control. And as all of you should know or possibly know if you're not from Canada, uh, May 1st, so just over a month ago, uh, Canada, by an order in council, so completely skipping the democratic process, uh, issued a ban on assault-style guns. Now, we're going to get into it because they're idea behind what's considered an assault style gun is kind of mind-blowing and a little bit uh, confusing, well, extremely confusing. There's really no point in beating around the bush. Uh, we have a system in Canada here where a hunting rifle is a non-restricted firearm. You can go and buy those as long as you have your firearms license. You can go into the store and say, yeah, I want this, I don't know, 30-odd six or 12-gauge shotgun, and most of the times they're, they're just like, oh, okay, here it is. Let's make sure you got the, the right credibility and you're on your way. Don't need to register it, nothing. Handguns are a totally different story. You got to go in. You got to apply for um, application to transport. They make sure everything's legit on your license, um, even just to get the license. It's a rigorous background check. Uh, I think it's even more extensive than just your, your regular non-restricted. Uh, and then... They hold it until you get your authorization to transport. Then they register it with the government so they know who has that gun, where that gun is at all times, and when that gun's being moved. It's, it's a very invasive process, but that's what they decided on. And this new ban on assault-style guns uh, encompasses not just the restricted firearms like the handguns, uh, but it also includes some non-restricted firearms that include uh, rifles and shotguns. And I'll do a little bit more explaining on that. Now, the intent of this assault-style gun ban uh, was on 11 gun types. Uh, that They came up with this 11-gun uh, list from uh, like past shootings, uh, mass shootings. They say that it was mostly based on Canadian shootings, but it has a lot to do with what's gone on in other countries like uh, the United States and even what just happened over in New Zealand not too long ago. And uh, somehow they came up with this list that 
including these 11 guns, there's 1,500 variations that are also banned. Um, just differences of these guns and, and what, uh, what makes them different. It could be just something just as little as uh, uh, just appearance, really. So they'll go after a gun like the AR-15, which is now included in this ban. And because you can do so many different modifications, all of those guns that are modified variations are now also banned. Um, but as you can tell just by me talking about this and from those of you that have listened to the news or paid attention, followed along to all of this, the, the program's full of flaws. Like they have no confirmed buyback program. Uh, I mean, they say that there's a buyback program. They just haven't figured any of it out yet. Uh, the fact that this gun ban includes common hunting rifles, that's another flaw. Um, and the biggest thing is they're still adding to this list. Like 1,500 guns on this list, and they're still adding to it because they haven't done the research to figure out what should and should not be on this list. Now... Canada had been talking about doing this ban for quite some time, most recently since uh, the election and just before because it was something that uh, the current government was using to platform and run on. And I would say that uh, it was pushed ahead a little bit faster than what they had originally intended with uh, all this, this COVID stuff that's been going on. Uh, and the tipping point of it was really this shooting that went on in Nova Scotia which I don't really think was a fair excuse to push this gun ban as fast as they did. Uh, if you look at it, not to, I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot because you don't want to glorify what happened, but the Nova Scotia shooting included 22 victims. And the shooter really shouldn't be used as an example for a few reasons. Uh, some of them being the fact that like the shooting wasn't the only illegal thing that was going on. The guy was driving... RCMP vehicle that was all decked out, badged. Um, it had the lights, it had the sirens, it had everything. He looked like he was driving a cop car because that's what it was. He bought it in an auction and they didn't uh, do anything to take off all this identification. Uh, somehow he acquired a, a uniform. Nobody has figured out how he got it. I think they've figured out that there was... Uh, some family relation to XRCMP officers, but they weren't close, so there was no reason that he would have gotten anything from them. Um, there was arson, including house and car fires, that was linked to that. The guns that the guy owned weren't even obtained illegally, and I read just the other day that uh, RCMP had determined that, uh, I think it was four out of the five guns that he had obtained and used were illegally obtained. Uh, three of them have come from the United States somehow, smuggled in. And uh, one of them was from the estate of a colleague that somehow he ended up with. And the last one was a gun that he took off of an officer that he had shot. But amongst those things, the imitating a police officer, the having the police vehicle, the having the, um, the police uniform... Uh, this stuff went on for enough time that police should have known. Uh, the guy hadn't had an active firearms license. I think it was over 10 or 15 years. And somehow, easily, really, because the media loves to put the spin on it, all of this pointed straight at his guns. They didn't point at anything else. They didn't point at the fact that this fellow was obviously mentally unstable. Um, 
yet have to be to be doing any of that. But they turned it all around on guns. And our prime minister, as lovely as he is, decided that that was the time to jump on the gun ban train and look like a hero because all of these uneducated citizens have no idea what goes into this gun process and into uh, making the law-abiding citizens legal in carrying and acquiring firearms. And it really just points right back to the flawed system. The government says things like, uh, we want to ban AR-15 rifles. They've never been used in a Canadian mass shooting or Canadian shooting of any sorts that I've ever been able to find. But they seem to put a target on that gun specifically just because of how it looks. Um, our, our Prime Minister makes a comment about how you don't need an AR-15 to shoot a deer or kill a deer. For one, the caliber is too small. Uh, most of them here, I believe, are in two, two, three. Um, I've never owned or shot one. I'd love to have one. It's just a little bit out of my price range. And uh, as a restricted firearm, there's really no point in me using it because I don't have the time to go down to the range to, to shoot um, and get my money's worth out of the thing. Um, but the other part of it is you're not allowed to hunt in Alberta or Canada for that reason with a restricted firearm. It's just not allowed. And the prime minister of the country has no idea what's going on uh, with his own system and makes comments like that. It makes, like, the people are already uneducated. But the teacher is uneducated, so it makes it very obvious as to why we have a problem like we do here. As I was saying, this gun ban somehow manages to include high-caliber hunting rifles and single-shot shotguns. And if you're banning assault-style rifles and rifles that our Prime Minister claims to uh, have the only purpose of them is to kill the most amount of people in the shortest amount of time, I don't understand how you're doing that with a single-shot rifle unless you're, you're like from best of the West somewhere. And you're, and it just it doesn't add up. And... Included in this is the 460 Weatherby. This gun has been designed specifically to take down the largest of big game animals. Like you're using this gun over in Africa to shoot Cape Buffalo and, I mean, elephants if you really needed to. Uh, I think I've seen maybe one time where someone in Alberta used it on a moose and even that's overkill. Right? And nobody's using this gun in a mass shooting. Are you kidding me? Who's going to go out with a gun that's going to just murder your shoulder and think that they're going to take down a crowd? That just doesn't add up. Right? It's, it's totally impractical. All of it is. So somehow our gun ban, because of bore size and muzzle velocity, which I don't think those are uh, totally relevant to what they're going after, those are included in the gun ban, and it leaves a lot of people asking the question of how and why. Uh, and then a couple days after this thing broke out, uh, it was brought to the attention of everybody that the wording in this legislation also banned a huge variety of 10 and 12 gauge shotguns just because of the bore size. Uh, now, it was the gun ban says that anything over 20 millimeters in bore size is now deemed prohibited. And um, I haven't explained this part of it, but the prohibited classification means you're not allowed to shoot the rifle, you're not allowed to transport the rifle you're not allowed to sell or acquire these rifles so basically it's a paperweight and 
giving shotguns that are commonly used for bird hunting uh, the designation of prohibited it, it makes no sense just because the bore is over 20 millimeters it shows that they didn't do any research into this right and the other part about including all of these these shotguns is that the fact that the government has uh, specifically said that they're not targeting your bird hunting guns and somehow managed to include a huge amount of them as expected this has also left a lot of gun owners clubs associations uh, including like fish and wildlife associations all of them are very very upset and it's expected because these are the people that are being targeted it's not the criminals that are being targeted like they say that they're actually going after they're coming after people who have these guns legally they're not going after the people that are getting these guns illegally because they're still going to continue to get the guns the same way that they were so taking a step back from just the legislation part of it uh, what about the retailers well a lot of these retailers are now left with an unsellable amount of stock because they're not allowed to move these guns anywhere not allowed to sell these guns you can't do anything with them they're even more useless than the shelves they're being stocked on. And Canada-wide, there's an estimated two to $300 million in stock that is now unsellable because of this gun restriction. And nobody seems to realize that the government is also charging all of these retailers a storage fee to hold all of these newly prohibited weapons at the border because upon being banned, they were no longer allowed to be transported, whether it was... Um, from the border into the country, from the border out of the country, they're just, they're stuck there. And they don't even know for how long. And think about ma and pa shops. Like, Cabela's might not be affected because they're a huge corporation, but these ma and pa shops, the tiny little ones that are, are, are depending on the sales of these firearms that can no longer sell their stock, they've already invested all this money into purchasing this stock they can't sell it now and now they're paying storage fees for the government to hold them at the border and they don't know how long they're never going to get that money back and a lot of them i would say even up to 50 uh, percent of them will probably be on the brink of going bankrupt just because of that solely because they depend on that income and I'm not going to be the guy that tells you where you need to go and buy your, your firearms from but I, I would say if you have the option to support somebody locally they need it. They need it more than the bigger chains do. You got to go in there. You, you got to keep them busy. It keeps everything competitive. And it's just, it's healthy for the local economy and uh, for local jobs. Now, this gun ban just keeps getting worse and worse. And I've already mentioned it, but new guns are being added daily. And people don't even know what these guns are. And that's half of the problem. Now, according to the Canadian Sporting Arms and Ammunition Association, there's been 320 shotguns and rifles that have been retroactively added to the original order in council. So from 1500 to 1820. And the only people that know this or are paying attention to this are the people that are legally and, and lawfully owning and using these firearms. The people that are... are uneducated and, and already in favor of what's going on they have no idea because they don't care and the national post has actually verified 200 out of these 320 newly added guns now i was saying the people don't actually know what uh, what guns are being added and 
Canada has what they call the firearms reference table, and it's already confusing. They don't update it frequently. It's not easy to understand. Nobody has any idea what's on that list being added to that list. Nothing. Nobody has a clue because they don't make it easy for people to understand. It's very easy for them to criminalize people because, like I said, nobody understands what's going on. So you have this very, very likely chance that lawful gun owners are walking around and using these guns that are newly um, retroactively added to this gun ban and there's no way for them to tell because they can't check this list and make sense of it so they're breaking the law unknowingly and if they get caught they're in trouble and they're going to be like well i had no idea how was I supposed to know? And the government's going to say, well, you should have known better. It was in our list and we knew what it made sense as and, and you should too. Because that's how it works. Now, the buyback program. From what I understand, and now it was a little bit before my time, but the long gun registry that was introduced into Canada, it, it didn't fully work because there's always a certain level of compliance that uh, does not exist and i can guarantee you with this new um this new firearm ban you're not going to see a 100 percent level of compliance and from what i understand in viewing the firearms communities and and groups there's a lot of people that uh, that are going to outright refuse you hear about everybody saying, oh, I lost my guns in a, a, a boating accident or uh, whatever it is. People are going to come up with a reason why they don't have these guns and they still do. And they're going to continue using them the way that they want to, which is unfortunate because now it's it's criminalizing themselves. And that's what the, the government really wants to do is they want to take these these lawful gun owners and turn them into victims of uh, of their plan and make an example out of everybody. The other part with this buyback program is that everybody's already expecting the government's going to undervalue all of your firearms. That's how it works. They don't really care. They think that everything's worth a certain price point and that's all that they're going to give you. And you're going to get ripped off. There's really no two ways around it. And the other part of it, too, is that Canada is estimating that this is only going to cost them around $600 million. Based on all of the resources that they're going to have to put into this, the price of the guns that they're going to have to pay, just all of it, it's going to be at least a billion dollars. It could be up to $5 billion. And you can go and do your research, look at your articles that, that everybody else is doing a little bit more uh, in-depth math. And you're going to see that it's it's exactly what it is. It's not going to cost $600 million. That's a pipe dream. They say that just to kind of put the, the uneducated citizens at ease and anger the people who understand what's going on. And then at the end of the day, when it costs way, way more than what they expected, they're going to be like, oh, well, oops. And that's really all they're going to say because that's what the government consistently has been doing for the last four years. Now, instead of coming out with any sort of explanation on this gun ban or why it makes no sense, why the wording seems to contradict itself everywhere, or why they've been banning stuff like websites 
or the fact that everybody's confused and just wondering what's going on with this thing, why they're adding guns to it daily, why the original ban wasn't good enough. All of these questions everybody has, uh, the government instead decides that they're going to send out these uh, threatening letters to all the lawful gun owners telling them they have two years to basically turn over these guns. And that's where the time and the resources is being spent is into that and not clarifying with the law-abiding citizens of the country as to what they could possibly be doing wrong what they could possibly be owning that's no longer allowed, uh, any of that. And all in all, it just keeps proving that the government has and continues to do insufficient amounts of research for any of these programs that they seem to think work. And all in all, it just keeps proving over and over again that the government has and continues to do insufficient amounts of research into this program. Uh, whether or not it's the buyback portion of it, uh, whether it's just all of it. None of it makes sense, and they're never going to come forward and, and just outright admit it, and they just expect all of us to go with it. And the real sickening part is the fact that they've stated that handguns are next, and they've kind of hinted at it being um, municipally... Uh, monitored or restricted or however they want to put it so basically certain cities can decide whether or not they want absolutely no handguns within the city limits or however that works i'm sure it'll be twisted and, and stretched into something much much more because that seems to be the um the route that they like to go and in my own personal opinion i think that if the government is going to tell you that you are no longer allowed to purchase or possess things that you have legally obtained and maintain uh, legal certification to continue owning and purchasing. It's probably time that you keep those items solely based on the fact that uh, people thinking the government knows best is what's gotten societies into so much trouble in the past and saying that we have learned from the past, it, it just maybe on certain things, but stuff like that, it always leads down the same road. And I think that it's it's probably a step in the wrong direction, uh, especially considering what's going on with all the rioting in the United States. A large portion of what's going on down there has been stopped by the presence of law-abiding firearms owners. I seen there was a little town in Idaho and Antifa showed up and the presence of law-abiding firearms walking around the city with their guns was enough to make all of the protesters turn around and leave. Uh, you don't see this kind of stuff on the media a whole lot just based on the fact that they don't care. They'd rather report the chaos than uh, do any sort of... Uh, reporting on the positive outlook from the community and the pushback from uh, society that seems to be able to uh, keep the protesting and the riots, not even necessarily the protesting, it's just about the riots and the people that want to smash into stores and steal stuff and just have an excuse to, to go off the deep end. But it, it's the law-abiding firearms owners that are, are giving this presence of keeping people away, and they're doing an extremely good job at it. 
And I think that in Canada, it's just a, a huge step in the wrong direction. You can't be banning firearms in a time when we're starting to need them more and more. It just doesn't work for society. I think seeing, uh, you're never going to see it, and I don't even think in my lifetime or ever, where you're able to legally carry a handgun in Canada, uh, concealed carry, open carry, whatever it may be, you're never going to see it. But I think that it would be a huge improvement to uh, the safety and security in our society. I've been to the States quite a few times, and doesn't make me uncomfortable seeing another person walking around with a firearm. I think, if anything, it makes you a little bit more at ease with the fact that if something was to shake down, somebody there might be able to protect you or do something to protect other people. It just, it's a reassurance. And you're never going to see that here, which is really unfortunate. But I think it would be a huge improvement to the system that we have already. It's already difficult to purchase and own firearms, especially the restricted ones in Canada. Um, ammunition prices are through the roof unless you reload. Uh, but from the reloading communities, it seems even if you're reloading, you're still spending a lot of money because you spend a lot of time uh, tinkering with your loads just to figure out what works best in your rifle. And uh, uh, so the prices are expensive. The firearms are expensive. And uh, they're just making it more and more difficult for you every day. But what really needs to be done is the government needs to spend less money and time on targeting lawfully owned firearms and more on educating the non-gun owners and targeting criminals, which none of this is accomplishing. And they're going to realize that. And by the time they realize that, it's going to be too late. And even if it is too late, they're not going to care because they're going to be able to prove a point and say that they did something, even though it was something that upset all of the people that were already following the rules. Uh, you're never going to get a criminal to stop being a criminal. And it's going to take people that aren't in the current government to realize the changes that actually need to be made and the ones that are going to make a real difference. I just want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in and listening. Um, I know this one was a little bit shorter than the last couple podcasts that I put out. Uh, but the gun control thing has just been such a hot topic. I, I contemplated whether or not I was going to actually touch on it because I try to keep politics out of this. Um, even though I think that most of the people in the hunting and shooting community are, are pretty much on the same page when it comes to uh, political opinions. But if people are going to be very on the anti-gun train, that's not something that I'm supporting. I'm very pro-gun. And I think that we need to uh, loosen restrictions, not tighten restrictions. And uh, that's just my opinion on it. But I hope everybody is staying safe out there. And uh, hopefully all of this blows over soon. Uh, it would sure be nice if uh, life could just go back to the way that uh, it, it's supposed to be. Or even a version of what normal used to be would be a, a huge step in the right direction. Uh, but once again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, hopefully uh, get to put on another podcast here soon. Uh, hopefully I have some uh, some positive hunting news to, to report on. You can follow along on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at On The Blood Trail. Uh, you'll know for the most part what's going on, whether or not we've had some success in uh, the remaining 
uh, about a week that we've got left here in uh, spring bear season. And uh, we'll see you guys next time.